Thank you for tuning into a Centerpoint Church message. Our mission is to help you take the next step in your relationship with God. We hope this message achieves that and inspires you to both grow in your faith and live it out today. Enjoy. I want to see if you can guess the landmark. So there's a popular natural destination in the U.S. It's known to be regular. It erupts and explodes every hour or so. It's seen by others consistently. It's in a national park. Any guesses? It's known to be faithful. Yeah, it's old faithful, yes. Uh, it was first discovered on September 18, 1870 by an expedition traveling down the river, and they saw their first geyser, which was old faithful. They stated this, It spouted at regular intervals nine times during our stay, the columns of boiling water being thrown from 90 to 125 feet at each discharge, which lasted from 15 to 20 minutes. We gave it the name Old Faithful. Here's a little video of it. It's pretty cool. My wife, Sydney, and I, we, we saw it maybe seven or eight years ago, and it was neat and all, but once we saw it erupt, we laughed. That was it. We laughed. And honestly, Old Faithful, as you know, is faithful. So it happens again and again and again, right? It's so regular, apparently, in the early days of the park, Old Faithful was used to do laundry. That's what it was used for. What this shows, <laughs> what this shows is if you are seeing a massive geyser and you're using it to wash your undies, it shows Old Faithful loses its wow factor after a time or two, right? Honestly, in today's world, the concept of faithfulness isn't seen as that amazing. Something that happens over and over again actually seems quite boring and monotonous to a lot of us. I mean, if I'm honest with you about my personality, I'm more into big success, influence, like the start, the, the adrenaline pumping thing, the wowing, the, the new, more than I am about faithfulness. You know, one of the things the Bible alludes to God followers of what they want to hear from God one day is they should be desperate to hear you're faithful. Matthew 25, 23, it says, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. If you've been in the church world before, you've heard this passage before. And it's what we many times as Christians should strive for. Yet how many of you would maybe prefer God to say, Well done, good and blank servant. So maybe for you it's, Well done, good and successful servant. Studious. Religious deep, or religiously deep, uh, biblical, influential, wise, smart, strong. I like a lot of those. I wouldn't mind hearing a lot of those. But it's not what Scripture points to us or what God wants to state over us after our time here on earth. He wants us to be faithful. If we're to be honest, not many of us would say faithfulness is what we want to hear. I think very few of us strive for that, right? And unfortunately, I don't think a lot of us, based on how we're living, would say faithfulness would be the word God would even use to describe us. In today's dictionary, to be faithful, how it's defined is remaining loyal and steadfast. I don't know about you, but that definition does not really apply to me. I make choices on the fly. I don't follow through with things that I, I do like in the moment because I get caught in the moment when I'm in a crisis or when I'm experiencing a particular emotion. I don't follow through with what I would be faithful on. 
And if you've been here the last few weeks, what we've been addressing is this idea that many of us, many of us, we are just bad decision makers, especially in the moment. Fortunately, a Christian person is never defined by the quality of their choices, but a Christian is defined purely by their relationship with Jesus and their acceptance of his grace and forgiveness. If you've never experienced that, you need to know that God has that gift for you freely, and he gives it to you freely for forgiveness for your wrongs. But as you're experiencing that forgiveness, you start feeling like maybe like you're like, ah, I've, I've done some, some wrong in my life. And I realize there's maybe some things I can change in my life to avoid some of that wrong, to avoid some of the, the consequences that I, I put on other people. And you start to be moved as you experience that gift of forgiveness, moved to make life changes, not to earn or pay back for anything, but to simply seek God's advice and guidance to avoid further hurt and just move forward from things. And if today you want to move forward in your life with something, we can't just expect ourselves to make lots of decisions that are honorable to God when we're in the moment. In this series, what we've been doing is we've been saying, it's decided. We've been declaring things that God values ahead of time, as seen in the Bible, that we can say, it's decided for us ahead of time that we are going to do a particular thing when the circumstance arises. I am ready. I am consistent. I am generous. I am faithful. I'm a finisher. I am loving. I am humble. And we're doing these things. We're stating these. We're deciding these things ahead of time because Proverbs 16.3, it says, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. So we're committing these ways to God and we're using what God says in the Bible to help us establish our plan. And this week, we are stating, I am faithful. If you get my weekly emails that I send out, I give you a heads up stating, I'm coming for you this week. I'm coming for you. Uh, the last few weeks of this series, these next couple weeks that we have going on, they are not easy decisions to make. They're going to stretch you. They really are. Uh, it starts, and it starts with the topic today, faithfulness, because the statistics out there show we are not faithful people. I'm just going to throw a few at you. Relationships. In a survey, a little over 46% of respondents in a monogamous relationship said they had affairs. 46%. According to another study, the typical churchgoer in America in 2019 attended church one or two times per month. Today, it's one every four weeks. Approximately 30% of the total workforce will now change jobs every 12 months. A little over 55% of Americans do not use a budget or are not faithful in their spending. 80% of people who make health changes will not maintain that health change a year later. I don't say these things to point fingers at you or anything like that, because trust me, I am included in those statistics. And we all stumble at times. But the numbers show we are not faithful people. To generalize, we just really aren't that loyal. We aren't that steadfast. And I'm not going to be like one of those pastors that, let's, let's, let's blame those millennials or those Gen Zers or those Gen YouTubers. It's all of us. It's all of us. But what if I could tell you, what if I could tell you God actually gives us extremely clear examples of how we are to be faithful and how you can make sure that you're making decisions that push you towards faithfulness. Would you want to know? Would you want to know, like, would you want to be able to hear the statement from God that, well done, good and faithful servant? Would you want that to be true for you? If so, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually back up a few verses from that, that, that verse, Matthew 25, 23. 
and kind of give you the full story and the full context of that statement that was given by Jesus. It's actually part of a parable that Jesus tells in regards to talent and money. Uh, And how it starts is Jesus uh, starts talking about this figurative story. And that's what a parable is. If you're unfamiliar with it, what it is, it's a hypothetical story meant to teach a lesson or a principle. Well, Jesus was known for doing these all the time. And sometimes it can take some studying and deciphering to really understand like, what it's going towards. And this one today is a little tougher, actually. In this parable about talents, how it starts is Jesus talks about a master, a master who is leaving on a long trip. The master, he doesn't want to waste time or resources while he's gone, so he calls his servants together and entrusts them with money. In Matthew 25, 15, it says, he gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. Well, the servant with five bags invested it and earned five more. The servant with two bags went to work, earned two more with it. The servant who had one bag dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money, where it sat dormant, unused, unrisked, but safe. Safe. Matthew 25, 19, it says, After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they have used his money. The first with five, he tells them what he did. And the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And the one with two, he comes, and the master responds the exact same way. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Then the third comes, and he says, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. I mean, this seems like a pretty fair statement, right? Seems pretty fair. But in response, the master says, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops, I didn't plant and gathered crops, I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Meaning, he's calling him out, calling the servant out on his false view of the master so that he can be lazy. So in response, the master says, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This parable, it can be kind of tough to understand. Especially, it even comes off a bit harsh, right? But let me just break it down for you just a little bit here with some of the basic context and and points that you maybe missed as as I was reading through it. Because again, the whole point is to teach us a primarily uh, one principle that Jesus is going for. It says in the beginning, it said the master gives according to his abilities. So it's assumed they're to do something with these bags, right? The The first two who are declared as faithful servants, they went to work with what they were given. The third one, who is declared as wicked and lazy, guards the money, but doesn't work with it. What this is implying is faithful servants use gifts given for master's purpose. As you think about this parable for a second, does it make enough sense for you to apply it to your own life? Can you see how it relates to you? It can be tricky, but if you haven't picked up on it yet, this story is showing God as the master and us 
as the servants. It's teaching us that God has given us each talents, gifts, resources, people in our lives, amount of faith, skills, ability. And we are to use these, or in the wording of the parable, be faithful with them to gain more for the master. I don't want you to miss this, so I want to be super clear with you. But this parable is showing one of the most faithful acts you can do is multiply or grow what has been given to you. Are you doing that? Are you gaining more for your master or more for God? I think it's fair to say many of us would say like, "Ah, I think so. I think for for the most part, a lot of us would say like, I'm I'm here, I'm maintaining things for God pretty well. I mean, I'm nurturing the stuff that I feel God's given me. I mean, we're here, right? I'm, I'm in church. Faith routine, like, I'm here. I'm trying to learn a little bit more. Many of us, we acknowledge certain gifts from God. Like, thanks for that gift that you gave me, God. That, that was great. Thanks for that. But for the more, majority of us, it kind of just stays there. Sundays, a few faith things, praying, a few little blessings. And if it's not that, a lot of times it's, it's worse than that. It, it's probably less. Honestly, like, you saw the faithfulness, like, statistics. Instead of nurturing or maximizing what's given to us, we, it declines. We let it decline. Or faith, church, the things we see as gifts from God, we, we kind of just let it decline, let it just dissipate. To be a bit silly, the way I think we can think about God's gifts at times is kind of like what I think kids do in a parent's house. Does anyone have kids that trash their house? I do. I must be the only one. Maybe that is a gift from God to you if you do not have kids that don't trash your house. Amazing for you. For real, uh, with my kids, I have two kids uh, and a wife. Um, (laughs) um, I, I love a clean house. I, I can enjoy it. I, I'm kind of the cleaner in the house. I know that's unique. But I'm always trying to figure out ways to like make it better, more organized. So literally every night I keep it tidy. Every night I clean it. And then by about noon, I'm at work during this time. Then at about noon, I get home and like, it looks like this. Like, and this is like half bad. This is half bad. I wanted to show you a clean picture of it, but I didn't have one. This is the half-bad version. Kids do not embrace the home. They actually make it worse, right? They don't really like make it better. If adults acted like kids at home, I feel like this is what it would look like at the house. Check it out. Kids are pretty poor stewards of things, right? Yet I had to chuckle at this next little clip. It's a lot much shorter um, because parents, we know how to show them who's boss because we can send them out into the, the darkness or where there's gnashing of teeth and weeping, kind of like this for our kids' sake. You're insane. Why are you doing it?
Kids, that was for you. I just made all your parents look amazing. They're not running over your video games, so you're welcome for that. But with all this, like, I'm doing this to show, and what I'm getting at is, and what this parable is getting at, is we need to take care of God's gifts. We need to be faithful to maximize what he's entrusted us with. Yet I want to take it one level deeper before we really dive into the application of it. Can you handle that a little deeper? All right, life isn't meant to be compartmentalized as in God's gifts and non-God's gifts or my gifts. They're not, they should be the same. It's actually all God's. Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all we live in it. Uh, that's Psalm 24.1. This is quite contrary to how we live and think today. We tend to have, I think, like a God bucket, and we have like a me bucket, like what I've earned, my stuff, what I own. And like if we kind of just look through like our general stuff, I just kind of went through some things like my, my health, like my fitness. Is that, is that up to me or is that a gift from God? Like, uh, I think that's not me. Or like my ability to be like a good leader, like a leadership book, like is that... Is that a God-given gift, or does that mean, oh, I think God gave me that, or, or like the ability just to be able to read a book. Is that God, or is that, that was me, I, I learned that. Or how about like God's word, well, obviously God's. I have a dog, I have a dog at home, like, is that God's gift, or is that me? I mean, I, I picked that. I have a, a wife, right, like, <laughs> did I earn that, like, or is that God's gift? Like, I mean, she's pretty great. I'm pretty great too, so I mean, yeah, it's probably me, you know, like, like, I have, I'm pretty handy at home, like, I can fix things, I got, was that God or was that me, did I learn that, like, uh, I mean, maybe that was, uh, I think it's me, uh, what about, like, I have a van camper, like, so it's like this, like, yeah, I think that, that was me, yeah, I earned that, tack, like, I, I can find the stuff, I have like a good, like I'm a speaker, like I feel like I do okay, I, I think that's a God-given gift, or I have a house, uh, I, I guess God blessed me with that, or like my ability to learn. I think God blessed me with that. Again, we can go on and on. I have kids, right? It's like, is that God? That's God's gift, right? So it's like we compartmentalize things. There's this tension between the two things in our life, like God's stuff and my stuff, or whether I'm the owner or I'm the steward of something that God has entrusted me with. But Scripture tells us it's all God's. Again, that Psalm 24.1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Why this is the case? Because without God, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't exist. We technically deserve nothing in life. We offended God so significantly that we deserve to be naked, alone, on our own in the wilderness. But through Jesus' sacrifice, his life, taking our place for our consequences of our wrongs, we can be forgiven and we can have life. Life and everything we have from God is a gift. It should all get dumped into God's. Like, it should all be going into here. It's all his. I have it because of him. It's purely that. You can live a life that pretends that it's yours or you own some of it and that everything's up to you and deal with this false view of life that will lead to extreme frustration one day when it's out of your control and you lose something unexpected. Or you can acknowledge that God oversees all and every moment and opportunity you have is a gift. Everything we have is a gift of God. And if we bring it back to our topic today of being one who is faithful, God sees one as faithful as one who sees themselves as a steward for him and who invests his gifts 
for him. Matthew 25, 23, well done, good and faithful servant. This should then leave us with a personal question, am I faithful? In the way that God describes faithfulness, the word faithful in that verse is actually, uh, so the Bible's originally written in the Greek, the word was pistos, and back then kind of how that word was used was it would be trusty or faithful of persons who show themselves faithful in the transaction of business, the execution of commands, or the discharge of official duties. It uses examples of being faithful in the transaction of business, the execution of commands, right? The discharge of your official duties. When I reflect on my life, I feel I've been given a lot of gifts in life that God's entrusted me with. And like in a business transaction, I've got to follow through and be responsible to follow through with how the transaction should be executed. I have much to follow through on and be faithful with with the gifts God's given me. I have an amazing spouse. I have a really great family. I have financial security. I have faith that's strong. I have a physical ability to do things. I have unique experiences that have grown me. I'm able to communicate well. I, I'm able to sense people's emotional needs well. It's kind of just a skill I feel I have. I'm pretty high energy as a person, if you haven't picked up on that. So I'm able to do a lot. These are all great and all. And I've seen the investment that comes from using these well. But if I'm real with you, it's pretty hard for me at times. And I go through stretches where I say, I'm good, God. This, is, this stuff's mine, but I'm good. Just, I'm good right now. I'm good just nurturing or I'm good being in my bubble. I'm good just coasting. I'm good just sitting back. I'm good just burying my gifts for me and my family. Have you been there before? You have lots of gifts and maybe acknowledge they're from God, but kind of just want to sit back for a bit. Unfortunately for us, Jesus' desire for us isn't to sit back with his gifts that he's given us. It's to use our talents for good, for growth, for multiplication. It's to use our talents in a faithful manner. I don't want you to miss this, but in this parable of the talents that we're looking at, what Jesus is getting at is faithfulness starts with acknowledging and maintaining what you have, but to be perfect in faithfulness, in Jesus' eyes, is not to just maintain something, It's to make it better or multiply it. Are you doing that? At work, at school, with your family, with your friends, your skills, your talents, your gifts. If not, how do we start? How do we do it? How do we make sure we don't get sucked into laziness or excuses, but to follow through on a decided action ahead of time to be faithful? And that's what I want to spend our remaining time on right now. If we declare, it's decided, I'm going to be faithful, I think there's three things that we can see that the faithful servants did in this parable. The first one is this. I will assume all as God's blessings. I will assume all as God's blessings. Our life is a blessing. We deserved nothing, yet we have so much, right? We have breath, we have water, we have a body, we have a day, an hour, and so much more. Many of us, we have food, we have a car, we have a place to live, friends. These are gifts. If I'm real with you, there's a tension. I deal with it like when it comes to things for me personally, and it's this tension of what's my hard work and effort versus what's God's blessings. Does anybody else deal with that tension sometimes? Like, this is my hard work. Like, this is mine, God. I many times want to say, God, I put the work in for this vacation. I put the work in for this family. I put the work in for this financial situation, this organization, where I'm at in life. 
And if I start going down that path, it's pretty easy for me to start getting proud and to be prideful and thinking it's only been me. To be honest, it's way easier for me to start declaring it's because of me instead of because of God. Deuteronomy 8, 17 uh, and 18, it says this, Do not say to yourself, My power and the might of my own hand have gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors as he is doing today. I don't want that. I don't want pride to take over. I know it's wrong. And I'm guessing you don't want that either. So since I don't want that, and it's decided for me to be faithful, I'm going to assume it's all because of God. My success, my opportunities is because of his gifting, his prompting, his help, his support, his assistance, his connections. Sure, there are times that my hard work, it makes a difference, but I'm going to assume it's God to keep me on track of faithfulness to him. How I do that, or how I actually am going to execute that and have that be a part of my life, is first, I'm just going to be more thankful. I'm just going to be more thankful for all the things. God, thanks for that coffee I was drinking earlier. Thanks for the sunshine. Thanks for the tool I needed to fix this at my house. Thanks for the heat. Thanks for my eyes to be able to see. Thanks for air. Thanks for my life. Secondly, I'm going to just think through how it could be because of God. For example, if I need to build something, I'm starting to get proud of like, oh, look at what I did. I start thinking, well, in order for me to build that, I needed the tool. In order for me to get the tool, I needed the money. In order for that, I needed a job. In order for a job, I needed people. In order for that, I needed skill to get people. And then in order for that, I guess I needed God to get that skill. I get this is kind of a silly, long-winded thing to do, but when I catch myself getting prideful, it helps me see how it is God's blessing. What do you need to do to do that for yourself? To see things in your life as God's blessings first. The second thing we can do is we can say, I will not neglect God's blessings. Does anyone remember their prom song from years ago? Yell them out. Anybody remember it? No one remembers. All right. All right. <laughs> Erasing that memory. Um, for me, mine happened to be Journey, the song Faithfully. Any Journey fans out there? Okay, come on. Who's a Journey fan? Who likes a Journey song at least? Okay. I want to play a little clip of the song Faithfully. Try to listen to the words. Check it out. I know you were singing there. I would be, but I had the mic still on, so that would have been an issue. But they say that, here's a couple of the lines they said. They say that the road ain't no place to start a family. Right down the line, it's been you and me, and loving a music man ain't always what it's supposed to be. Oh, girl, you stand by me. I'm forever yours faithfully. So it's him on a trip, like always doing tours, and still being faithful to this girl. These words are sweet. They're nice, right? But I want to just point out, when you're distant 
not seeing each other all the time. Maybe it's a relationship remotely. Don't get me wrong, it's hard. Sydney, my wife, we, we had to do the distant thing for a while. It's hard. We did it for a few months. But the blessing of a person in your life in those type of situations is really easy to acknowledge because it's missed for a while. It's vacant. It's so easy to embrace the gift of each other when you're gone. And then when you're finally together for a few days and then back to being apart, you're missing that blessing again. You're like, oh, I miss that. I miss her so much. She's such a blessing to me. We do this even with family. Uh, I mean, how many of you send more texts or more snaps to your family when you're on vacation, even though you wouldn't have even seen them during that time, but you're still like texting like, hey, how's everything going? You safe, right? What I'm trying to point out is it's easy for us when we are away or we're apart from a gift to not take it for granted because you want them close so bad. But then on the flip side of this, People, when they are a part of your life consistently, daily, the gift of their daily presence, they tend to get neglected because you just assume the gift. You assume who they are and what they do or what it does for you daily. For example, I tend to be nicer to you guys, church people on Sundays, church attenders, than I am my spouse. I do. I tend to be nicer to you, and it's just wrong. I mean, you guys are great. I love you guys. You're awesome. But my wife is the greatest blessing from God for me. If conflict arises for me in the church, I'm usually pretty gentle with you. I'm pretty like, hey, let's smooth this over. With my wife, not so much. Voices get raised. Why would I treat her, though, harsher than I would someone who I'm not that close with? It's because I can easily start neglecting the giant blessing or gift she is to me because she's with me daily. It can be the same with friends or coworkers or family. It can be honestly with a church community even, expectant instead of seeing the blessing. It can be with your bodily functions or necessities. It can be uh, with, with how you use your money. Like you, you want to give it to this exotic cause instead of that thing that's been consistent in your life. Maybe, maybe it's how well you maintain your body. Maybe it's how well you, you maintain that old toy or that old tool versus the new special one. For me, it's decided that I will not neglect God's blessings. And if that statement is something we actually want to make sure we follow through on, what we need to do is assess what are our blessings in life so that we don't neglect them. So to start, ask the question, who is a blessing in your life? What is a blessing in your life? In our parable, the servant who is seen as wicked, he hid the money, he put the money away and neglected it. He expected it to be good enough. Don't be like that person. Don't neglect the gift. Be aware of the gift. How you can realistically do that is maybe you need to journal your blessings. Maybe you need to declare them out loud. Maybe you need to force yourself to thank whatever that blessing is to a person next to you or whatever. What do you need to do to not be ignorant to the numerous blessings you have from God? Which leads to our last thing. The last thing that we're going to do to be faithful in God's eyes is I will invest in God's blessings. We saw in the parable, it's not Jesus' desire for us to just take the blessing and hold it. We are to invest it. We are to make more with it. We are to produce with it. What gifts do you have that you need to invest in, to multiply and to get better? Let me give you a few examples of how I've been prompted uh, while I was preparing for this message. Uh, I decided to be faithful uh, to my wife and my marriage. 
uh, by investing in it and making it the best that can be. We just went on vacation recently, and uh, we read a marriage book while we were on vacation. Like, together we were driving a lot. Do I love talking about our marriage or feelings or potential conflicts or changes while we're on vacation? No. No, not really. But I want to invest in our marriage and make the most of it. So we did it. That was the time we had together. This seems silly, but I've decided to be faithful to my cars. Both of our cars are about 10 years old, so not new, but I want to care for what God has given me, so I'm caring for them by trying to keep them clean as much as I can. We're going to have the cleanest 10-year-old cars in Fond du Lac. Our finances, our finances. We don't have a crazy ton of money, but I feel God has blessed us well, and we want to multiply God's blessings by giving to his causes to see him do more and invest in what he's given us. My skill. I feel God has given me the gift of creativity, of creating new things, new, new like different engagements or videos, things of that sort. And I'm going to push myself to create more. We, we are new and I, I don't have like an extremely large staff, so we have to be creative with what we've got. Our church. Our church. We're, we're maximizing what we have here, what we have to use at this church so that we can reach more. The parable shows us one of the most faithful acts we can do is care for what God has given you and then multiply it. Those are some of my approaches and faithful attempts to use what God has given me. What's yours? What's yours? Are you investing in your faith to have it be closer to God by being at church or being in a Bible study or reading your Bible or praying? Are you investing in your kids to have them be more God-honoring to be as smart as they can be, to be as loved as they can be? Are you investing in your finances and doing things honorable to God with them, no matter what the amount is? Are you investing in your youth, the future generations of, of the future? You have, you have mess-ups or life experience that you could use to help youth. Are you offering that? Are you investing in your marriage to have it be one that shows a God-centered marriage, making it the best it can be? Investing, it takes work. And if you aren't new to investments, you also know it means taking a risk, right? Investments are risks. In the parable, we don't really see the downfall of taking a risk, but it appears the master is more frustrated about the lack of attempt than potential loss. Again, the verse says, The master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. God could get an investment on his own, just like the master could have put the money in the bank and received something on it. He doesn't need you, but he's chosen to give you gifts because he believes in you to invest it well. Will you? We started today's message with Old Faithful, right, who's consistently producing something quite extraordinary, one that takes investment of natural resources to build up this huge eruption of something consistently. Will you continue to make continuous investments in your marriage, your home, your community, your church, your life, your faith? As I close, I'm going to pray that we do and that we can say, it's decided, I am faithful, that I will assume all as God's blessings, I will not neglect God's blessings, and I will invest in God's blessings. I'm going to pray that we long for the statement, well done, good, and faithful servant, and we make decisions ahead of time to live that out. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Thank you for just giving us a clear example of how we can be faithful. God, Right now, a lot of us are saying we are deciding we want to be faithful. 
faithful with the gifts you've given us. Prompt us to follow through on whatever that is that we need to do to be faithful with the, the gifts of our body or family or investments or financial or marriage or whatever it is, but invest in it and be faithful with it so that we can multiply for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.